Judges, Judges chapter 2, uh, particularly focusing on verses 11 through 23, looking at this idea of evil in the sight of the Lord. If you look at Judges chapter 2, looking at verse 11, the Bible says, And the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and served the Baals. We think about what it means to do evil in the sight of the Lord. You know, we, we say some, we talk about when someone commits a sin, someone makes a mistake, someone makes a, uh, you know, does something wrong. But to say someone has done something that's evil, it's, it's much more, uh, much more of an intent word. It's more than just making a mistake before God, but it's, it's maybe even doing something that's so, uh, so dark that, that that's why we use this word evil to, to describe it. You know, sometimes we talk about a movie or a book uh, being dark. We mean it's, it's very, uh, there's a lot of bad things that happen into things that you don't see commonly discussed and goes a little more deeper uh, and has a, a deeper uh, emotional impact, those types of things. And so we say sometimes certain movies or, or books are dark. And we think about, when we think about things that are evil, we think about, or I think about things that also are Dark in that same way. Things that are uh, much more, might say, much more intense, and even even might include the idea of being much more uh, deliberate. And so this evening, I want to show what we can learn about faithfulness from God's use of judges, as we find them here in Judges chapter two. Obviously, there's a lot said about various judges throughout the book of Judges. You would expect such. But as we begin in chapter 2, this really begins to set the stage for why these judges are put in place. And we begin by looking at and asking this, or looking at what they did to bring these things upon them, beginning in Judges chapter 2 and verse 11. In Judges 2, looking at verse, uh, verse 11 and following, we find here, they forsook God. What does it mean to forsake God? Well, it means to, to leave, to loose, or to forsake. Some uh, definitions go on to talk about abandon. They abandon or they loose themselves from God. That is, they left God behind. Looking at Judges chapter 2, verses 12, it says, And they forsook the Lord God of their fathers. They forsook Him. They left Him. They loosed themselves from Him. They abandoned Him. What happens when a person forsakes God? Do they not abandon all hope? Do they not lose themselves from any chance of being saved? Do they not leave the one source of true uh, mercy and forgiveness? Well, yes, they do all those things. How did they forsake God? Now, we know individuals sake, and just like during this time period, can forsake God or abandon Him for a host of reasons and do, do it in various different ways. But if you look at Judges chapter 2, beginning in verse 11, he says here, Then the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and served the Baals. And they forsook the Lord God of their fathers, who had brought them out, to the, brought them out of the land of Egypt. And they followed after other gods from among the gods of the people who were all around them. And they bowed down to them. They forsook God by doing what? By doing evil. The Bible says there in verse 11, by doing evil in the sight of God. And he gets more specific by saying they serve the Baals, which are false gods and idols. 
They forsook the God of their fathers who had brought them out of the land of Egypt. They forsook the one who led them out of captivity. He led them out of being a slave, out of imprisonment. They followed other, a little g there, other gods from among the gods of the people who were all around them. Meaning they, they, they immersed themselves in the worship of false gods of those who were around them, which means they were influenced by the people whom they were among. You know, the Apostle Paul talks about how we have to live in the world, we don't have to be of the world. We talk about that many times. What that means is we can't remove evil from all around us, but it doesn't mean we have to live like them. And in verse 12, we find here they were surrounded by evil people who were going after these false gods, but instead of living in contradiction to their evil ways, they lived just like them, as he says here in verse 12. They followed other gods from among the gods of people who were, who were all around them, and they bowed down to them. You think about this for a second. You think this was the first time in history that people were surrounded by other, surrounded by evil people? Are Christians or followers of God looking here in the Old Testament, are they often surrounded by those who are doing evil and following after idols? Well, yes, all the time. You know, the New Testament talks about Lot. Lot talks about, refers to him as a righteous Lot, whose soul was tormented day by day because of all those who were around him. We're talking about his time there in Sodom and Gomorrah, which no doubt was definitely a time of torment for him. But they followed after other gods who were, because that's who the people who were among them, that's what they were doing. And so they went with the crowd, so to speak. And the Bible says here in verse 12, and they bowed down to them, which means they were submissive to their gods. I'm not sure how you're submissive to a god that doesn't exist, but that's what they were doing. And that means, no doubt, I think, in part, they were doing some of their rituals, which they were doing, their traditions, their offerings, their sacrifices, which sometimes would offer, as we talked about before, even the sacrifice of children. And that's the kind of God they involved themselves with. That's the kind of people they, they were going along with and joining in with. And that is how they forsook God. They provoked God to anger, we find in verse, the latter part of verse 12 and also in verse 13. They provoked the God, they provoked the Lord to anger, and they forsook the Lord and served Baal and the Asheroth. Now we find here they are serving these false gods, a continuation there in verse 13, and what did all those things do? They provoked God to anger. Now we know children sometimes will do things, maybe unintentionally. <laughs> And they're, they don't realize that they're just provoking their, their parents to get very upset with them. And that's what we find here. Their, their actions are provoking God to become angry with them. It's also interesting that we find that God, it seems, takes a while before he becomes so angry that he begins to do, as we're going to find later with the judges, carry out the things he's going to do to help them hopefully come back to him. He didn't just snap and go into anger. He was patient with them, but we find, obviously, that when it's clear that people will not come back to him without some type of strong rebuke, then his anger, no doubt, is aroused. And we find that here in verse 12. And it's interesting also, if you look at this section, we want to ask, you ask the question, how they forsake God? Well, he really summarizes the whole situation when it comes to how they forsook him, going back to verse 11, he simply says, the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. How they forsake him, they did evil. That sums it up. That covers everything else. He goes into more detail. But that's the summarization of it. They did evil before God. 
They did evil in the sight of the Lord. And so this is what they did. They forsook God. They served false gods. They provoked the Lord to anger. They, they, they abandoned Him. And they angered Him by their disobedience. They did evil in His sight. And then we find later, if we look in verse 14, we're going to find God's response. God always responds. You know, even in the days of Noah, God responded. I'm sure during the time of him building the ark, people thought, well, God's not going to do anything. The whole time they're watching Noah build an ark. I'm sure they didn't think God was doing anything in the days of Sodom and Gomorrah with Lot when he was there, not realizing that the ones who they were trying to pull out of Lot's house were angels or messengers of God, sent by God, to do what? To look to spy out the city and didn't come back and destroy it. They didn't catch on to that. And we find here, looking at Judges chapter 2, beginning here in verse 14, we find that God became angry. That was His first response. He became angry. Why? Because they were disobedient. What does God want above all for mankind? Salvation. That's what God wants for all of us. And so when He sees us sin, a natural reaction is to become angry. It's not wrong to become angry. And he's angry when we find for a good reason because of their evil they have done before him. Going back to verse 11. We're looking at Judges 2 now, looking at verse 14. We find that their, their actions drove him to anger. And the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel. So he delivered them to the hands of plunderers who, who despoiled them. And he sold them to the hands of their enemies all around. And so they could no longer stand before their enemies. Wherever they went out, the hand of the Lord was against them for calamity. As the Lord had said, and as the Lord had sworn to them, and they were greatly distressed. Why? Because they had abandoned, they had forsaken God. Sometimes people ask the question, why are these things happening to me? Sometimes you have to ask yourself the question, how faithful am I being to God? Because there are sometimes it seems to think them upon us in the midst of our unfaithfulness, and we ask why. Well, sometimes when you ask, well, what are we doing? And the sake here in Judges chapter two, God's anger was a direct response to their forsaking Him, to their going against Him, to their abandoning Him. The Bible says there in verse fourteen, look what He did. He didn't just simply become angry with them. The Bible says He delivered them to the hands of plunderers who just spoiled them and they took everything away from them. He sold them to the hands of their enemies all around, which means they became slaves, so that they could no longer stand before their enemies. Wherever they went out, the hand of the Lord was against them for calamity, which means wherever they went, bad things happened. And as the Lord had said, and as the Lord had sworn to them, and they were greatly distressed. Think about that phrase there for a second in verse 15. As the Lord had said... And as the Lord had sworn to them, what does that imply? Had said, had sworn to them. Does that sound like he had warned them before? If you don't turn back to me, this is what's going to happen. And in verse 15, that's exactly what he's talking about. As the Lord had said, past tense, as the Lord had sworn to them, past tense, and they were greatly distressed. Why? Because they didn't listen. When you don't listen to God, bad things happen. And that should be the case. When you ignore God, don't be shocked when things happen in your life that you don't like. Their actions drove him to anger. 
And in, in his anger, he punishes, punishes them in multiple ways. We find here in verses 14 to 15. God turned nations against them. Wherever they went, God was against them. There was nowhere to hide from the punishment of God. What is the only way you survive the punishment of God and come out of it? By repentance. That's the only way. And nothing has changed even today. We find, looking at verses 16 and 17, that God would bring in judges, those who would judge the people, trying to bring them back to God. Notice here, you know, this is one of the reasons why there's the host of them. I get a little irritated and flustered when people talk about how, well, some people were just chosen to be saved and some were chosen to be lost. What about judges? Why Father was trying to bring people back to God? They were, some were condemned and some were not. What was the point? Because they had free will. That's the point. They could choose to obey God. They could choose to disobey. God wanted them, we're going to find here a moment, to choose Him. But not unlike so many of us today, they were unwilling to come back. Looking at Judges chapter 2, this time looking at verse 16. Nevertheless, the Lord raised up judges who delivered them out of the hand of those who plundered them. Revived them a place, a way to find safety from those who plundered them. Was that all the Lord did? Now look at verse 17. Yet they would not listen to their judges. That implies they didn't just deliver them. They did what? They taught the people. They warned the people. What do you think they warned the people about? The same thing the Lord had said previously, going back to verse uh, going back to verse 16, when he talks about how he had sworn to them that he would do these things, you think those judges reminded them that, look, the Lord warned you this is what's happening. What do you need to do? You need to go back to God. But in verse 17, the Bible says, yet they would not listen to their judges. But they played the harlot. That is, they played, un- they were unfaithful to God, right? They played the harlot with other gods. They were unfaithful to the one true God, and instead they served, as much as you could, a false god, and bowed down to them. You think about key phrases in this text. I think one of them is there in verse 17. Yet they would not listen. They would not listen. In the midst of everything going bad, everything falling apart, the Lord being against them literally at every single turn, they wouldn't listen. Doesn't that tell you how hard-hearted those individuals were? How determined they were to go against God? You go back here for just a second, looking at Judges chapter 2. The Bible says there in verse 15, wherever they went, where they went out, the hand of the Lord was against them for calamity. And in verse 17 it says that in the midst of all these things going on, judges being appointed, they still would not listen. But instead, what did they do? The Bible says they played the harlot with other gods and bowed down to them. Notice verse 17 goes on to say, They turned quickly from the way in which their fathers walked, which means those who went before them didn't act this way. Those who walked with God and their fathers before them didn't act this way. They walked with God. He says, In obeying the commandments of the Lord, they did, they did not do so. They didn't follow the examples of those who have gone before them who were faithful. They ignored it. They blazed their own trail, and that's exactly what they did. Blazed their own trail to a certain place that no one wants to end up. We find there in verse 17, they did not do so. They did not obey the commandments of the Lord. 
It's not that they were trying to just follow the tradition of their fathers. It's that they were not obeying the commandments of God. Whether their fathers obeyed or not, they were still required to obey, weren't they? But their fathers did obey, and they did not learn from them. They didn't follow their example here in verse 17. And their example was obeying the commandments of the Lord. They did not do so. They did not listen. They would not listen to the judges. You think about that phrase again for a second. Would not listen. That implies that they had heard, they had been warned, they had been informed, they had been told. They are without excuse. Right? Everyone's without excuse. These individuals in verse 17 are no different. They knew what they were to be doing, and they did not do it. They refused to follow, follow after those, those who went before them, the wise men who went before them. Instead, they remained unfaithful to God. Some lessons for us to think about today. And we're going to, this is just going to continue right down to the text here in Judges chapter 2. Faithfulness is a long-term commitment. It is a long-term commitment. You know, we think sometimes gym contracts of two years are long-term, depending on where you're at. It feels like it's a long-term. But God wants more than two years, doesn't he? Two years is a common link for a lot of things. God wants more than two years, more than two months, more than two days, more than two weeks. He wants all of it. And as we find in the Bible, we find that's exactly what God deserves. God has held nothing back from us. I mean, He offered His only begotten Son on the cross, right? John 3, verse 16. Clearly, He withheld nothing for, for us. But yet, man sometimes wants to withhold things from God. Faithfulness is a lifetime or a long-term commitment. The people were only faithful briefly. If you look at Judges 2 and verse 18. When the Lord raised up judges for them, the Lord was with the judge, delivered them out of the hand of their enemies all the days of the judge. The Lord was, for the Lord was moved with pity, or was moved to pity by their groaning because of those who oppressed them and harassed them. He pitied them, he punished them, and it's like, it's like a child sometimes. You, you, they do something wrong, you get on to them, you, you correct them, and sometimes you come back and when you do, you give them a hug. That shows a little bit of pity. You don't apologize for correcting the child, but you give them some comfort, right? That's what we find here in verse 18. The Lord pitied them. These pitiful little people. He gave them mercy. In verse 18. He was moved to pity by their groaning because of those who oppressed them and harassed them. When they were doing that, they were being harassed because of their sin, because of their wickedness. God had them be harassed because of it. And they're being, they're doing what? They're groaning, complaining about because everyone loves to be corrected. And we find in verse 18, the Lord has moved, moved uh, to pity because of their groaning. But look at verse 19. And it came to pass when the judge was dead, they reverted and behaved, behaved more corruptly than their fathers by following other gods to serve them and bow down to them. They did not cease from their own doings nor from their stubborn ways. The Bible doesn't pull any punches, does it? From their own stubborn, or from their stubborn way. When the judge died, so did their faithfulness. 
That's why so many people talk about Israel and their faithfulness being like a roller coaster going up and down. Judges is one of the examples of that because they're faithful and they're not and just repeat itself. You know, today, that's not what God wants from us. It's not what he wanted from them. God was not fooled by them. That's why he sent judge after judge after judge after judge. Because there was a chance each and every time there'd be some who might remain faithful. You know, we think about all those judges we find here in this book and how many times God sends these individuals and the purpose every time was to save the souls of those who were willing to obey. That's what it's about. God's long suffering is really kind of hard to imagine because we're talking about lifetimes in the book of Judges. Not a few years or even, you know, 10 or 20. We're talking about lifetimes of people, of judges coming in, people being obedient when the judge dies and go back their own way, as he says here in verse 19. And think about this. If you go back and read it for just a second, the people do this today sometimes when their favorite preacher dies or when their favorite elder dies. They're faithful when someone is, is alive and they're loyal to God, at least to some degree. And when that person dies or moves away, they're no longer faithful. I think that we do see some of that. Look at verse 19 again. And it came to pass when the judge was dead that they reverted and behaved more corruptly than their fathers. So it implies that some of their fathers were faithful and also some of them were not. By what did they do? By following other gods to serve them and bow down to them. Notice every time it mentions other gods, it's specific by saying to serve them and to bow down to them. It wasn't just a mistake in going in and being among people who served other gods. It's that they served them and they bowed down to them to them, which means they were worshiping, actually worshiping false gods. They weren't just visiting. No, they were serving them and bowing down to them. Verse 19 says, they did not cease from their own doings. Notice how their own doings is mentioned here in a sinful way. It doesn't say their own doings. It's saying, oh, they're just doing things their own way and saying it's okay. You know, some people say today, talk about sowing their wild oats. Verse 19 talks about the same idea, but it's condemned. From their own doings, nor from their stubborn way. They were in sin because they went back to how they were living before. God is not fooled by flimsy faith. He is not fooled by flimsy faith. You know, we can come in... We can ask for prayers, we can come forward, we can do all kinds of things. But friends, if you're not faithful, I may be the last one to know it, but rest assured, God's the first one to know it. He is not fooled by flimsy faith. On the day of judgment, you're not fooling anyone. You're not fooling the Lord. He knows where we are, He knows where we stand, He knows where He, where he is in our lives. And if He's not at the front, friends, He knows it. The reason for God's proclamation against them is also revealed here in verse 20. The anger of the Lord was hot against Israel. And he said, Because this nation has transgressed my covenant, which I commanded their fathers, and has not heeded my voice. Why was God not full by their flimsy faith? Uh, flimsy faith because of this. They weren't listening. They transgressed my covenant, which I commanded their fathers, and have not heeded my voice. There in verse 20. God knew who they were. He knew about their faith or lack thereof. He wasn't fooled. 
God would test them, as we find in verse 21 through verse 23. He would continue to test them and to punish them when they failed in an effort to bring them back to him. In verse 21, he says, I also will no longer drive out before them any of the nations that Joshua left when he died, so that through them, this is why he didn't do it, so that through them I may test Israel, whether they will keep the ways of the Lord, who walked in them as their fathers kept them, or not. Therefore the Lord left those nations without driving them out immediately, nor did he deliver them into the hand of Joshua, which tells us, he said in verse 21, this is what I'm going to do. In verse 23, that's what he did. He always keeps his promise. All his warnings are always fulfilled. He said he wanted to drive them out. Verse 23 says he did just that. He didn't drive them out. Instead, he tested them and tested them and tested them in an effort to bring them back to him. God demands true, honest, and sincere faithfulness and loyalty to him. God knows who we serve. He knows if it's him or if it's not him. Failure to be faithful to God will only end in punishment and eventual separation from God. We know from Isaiah 59, right? Sin separates us from God. You know, throughout the Bible, we find very strong warnings. Throughout the Bible, we find very strong punishments. Throughout the Bible, we find opportunity after opportunity to repent and make ourselves right in the sight of God. Those in Judges had every opportunity to do so, time and time again. The question we have to ask ourselves, are we willing to do that, make ourselves right, right with God, because we know there's going to come a time when we won't be able to do that. There's going to come a day where we're no longer able to make ourselves right with God because it's too late. If we think about the judgment day, we think about how the Bible warns about there's a great day coming. It doesn't tell us when, it's just that it's coming. If we truly believed that judgment day is coming, then we should not delay in making ourselves right in the sight of God. We have to swallow our pride. We have to swallow our, our ideas that what we're doing is okay. We have to swallow the idea that we might be embarrassed, whatever it may be, because heaven is worth making ourselves uncomfortable, as we might feel. Sometimes we're uncomfortable when we ask people to pray for us or ask for prayers or whatever it may be. But friends, nothing's going to be more uncomfortable than being separated, um, being separated from God. So if we want to be comfortable for an eternity, we'll do what it takes today. It requires being comfortable because we want to make sure we are comfortable with God for all eternity. This evening, as you think about these things, we can help you or encourage in any way we'd like to do so. That's going to be saying, sing the song that's been selected. <laughs>